This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So we're in week two of our worship series that we're calling So Will I. And it's this concept and this idea, you know, we just sang the song, and it comes from scripture where it says, even the rocks will cry out if you stay silent. And so creation sings the praises of God all the time. And so it's this idea that so should we. Our lives should be lived in response to God. And so worship is more than just like singing songs on a Sunday morning. Worship is ascribe something, ascribing something worth. It's giving your worth-ship to that thing or that object or whatever. And so when we talk about worship, we're talking about living a life that's in response to God. And so I absolutely love talking about worship. I love talking about worship, especially in this forum and with you know our faith community and teaching through it and looking what the Bible says about it and all that because I feel like living a life in response to God is like the most important thing. You know, we talk about all kinds of stuff and, and we look at all kinds of different ways to make our life better and make our, our faith journey progress and us to get closer to Jesus and loving people and all of that. But I feel like living a life in response to who God is is just paramount for us. And that's what worship is. And so I love talking about worship. Last week, we kind of uh, set the foundation for our conversation this morning. And so the podcast is centralchurch.cc slash podcast if you want to get caught up or fill in some gaps of everything. But last week we discussed that we are all worshipers, all of us. We all ascribe worth to something. We all worship something. We were wired to worship. It's part of our design. It's part of who we are. We are worshipers. We ascribe worth to things, and then we prioritize things according to how much worth we give it, right? And so some things we worship in that number one spot. Other things are just like little things that we give our attention to, but all of us are wired and designed in that way. And if we're able to understand and embrace the concept and idea of worshiping God above everything else, I believe that it can radically and drastically change our lives and change our perspectives, change our faith journey, change our experience here on earth. It can change everything because not only are we wired to worship, we are wired to worship God. We looked at last week in uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17 where it says that we were made for God and we were made by God. That's how we're crafted. That's how we're created. That's how we are designed. And so I love talking about it because I know how powerful worship can be, both positive and and negative. I know how powerful worship can be when we're worshiping God and responding to God in our lives and what that can do and the trickle-down effect it has in every arena of our existence, every arena of our life. When God is in the number one spot, it changes everything about us, everything around us, everything in us, everything through us, changes everything. But I also know the impact it can have when God is not in that number one spot, the negative impact worship can have when we're seeking fulfillment and we're seeking joy and we're seeking affirmation and we're seeking purpose and all of these other things, we are consistently left feeling like we haven't attained it. We haven't gotten it yet. We're consistently feeling like we're not filled up, like we're still searching for something because that's the way we're wired. It's the way we're designed. We were created for God and by God. And when we chase all these other things to try and fill that void, it leaves us feeling wanting. And so when we talk about worship, when we talk about living a life in response to God, the stakes are high. 
It's a very, very important conversation because God is all about worship. God is all about worship. And so if it's super, super important to God, right, if it's, if it's that important to God, then it should also matter a lot to us. It should be something that we focus on. It should be something that we pay attention to. It should be something that we are intentional with. And so it's this idea that God is the creator of everything, right? God is the creator of everything. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the originator. He's the life giver. He's the beauty maker. Like all of creation sings praises to God. God created us. God created the beautiful snow that gives Carmen joy and gives me misery, right? God has created all things. And so every time we get in a glimpse in scriptures of God and his existence and like the, the, the surrounding uh, setting in which he is, is like hanging out or whatever, every time we get a glimpse of that through scripture, it affirms that God dwells in endless praise. That praise and worship and adoration is important. That is the, the, the continuous glimpse that we get of God. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There's this consistent and constant atmosphere and presence of worship around God. And then we see in Isaiah chapter 6, verse uh, 1 through 4, Isaiah has this vision of God, right? And many of you have probably heard this before. It says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, which are like angels, and it says, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, in the, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And we get, to, again, this imagery, this picture that God dwells in constant and consistent worship, in an atmosphere of worship. And then in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, the psalmist says this all throughout the Psalms. He says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. So, so scripture's continually painting this idea that God is continuously in this atmosphere of worship. And not only where God is, but everything should be in this atmosphere of worship. Creation is consistently singing the praises of God. It says the heavens declare, if, if we're quiet, the rocks will cry out. Worship is super important to God, but why? Why are all these things crying out to God? Why are all of these things in response and worshiping God? And, and, and why is creation consistently telling the, the story of the glory of God? Why are we called to do the same thing? It's because that's what we were created to do. That's what we were designed for. That's how we are wired day and night, day after day, to tell God and anybody and everyone who will listen that he's huge, that he's powerful, that he's glorious, that he's limitless, that he's beyond our wildest imagination. That's what creation does at all times, and we are called to do the same. But here's what's so crazy. You got this huge, limitless creator, sustainer, beauty maker, like the whole, the whole deal. You got this God that's massive, who is worshipped at all times by all creation, by the heavenly hosts, by everything, right? You got this huge, massive God, and he wants to be worshipped by you, you and me. He desires our worship. 
That's what's so crazy because you got these beautiful mountainscapes that are singing the praises of God. You got these sunsets that are telling of the glory of God. You got the massive, huge oceans that are painting a picture of the infinity of God, and He desires our worship. He desires Sam to respond to Him and to show Him my praise and adoration and affection and love. And He desires that from you too. It's, it's, it's wild and crazy, but the reason that he wants that from us is because he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. And we are, when we are taking our hearts and our perspectives and our minds and our attention and our affection, and when we're taking that and aligning it with him, it's better for us. He gets the praise and the honor that he deserves, but it puts us in a posture of response to him, which is better for us as well. Because the reality is, like we established last week, you are and always will be a worshiper. It's what you do. It's who you are. You can't help it. You can't stop it. You can't live without it. You are a worshiper. But you get to choose where you invest your worship. You get to choose where you invest your worship. And we do it all the time. We do it day in and day out. And we can make the decision, are we going to invest our worship into something that's temporal, which means it's here and now and instant gratification, or are we going to invest our worship in something that's more eternal? We choose where we invest our worship all the time. When we choose to worship our job and our career and climbing the corporate ladder and all of those things, when we choose to worship those things, it becomes our God meaning it becomes the thing that dictates every decision that we make. It dictates our thought process. It dictates where we live, what kind of car we drive. It dictates, you know, what, what are we going to do with our time. It dictates everything, how we respond to our family and interact with them. Our, when our job becomes our God, it becomes the thing that dictates our life. And when we do this, we're choosing today and putting eternity on the back burner, right? I mean, when we choose to worship our friendships or our relationships, and we allow those things, our codependency on other people and, and what they're going to think about us and what they think we should do and how they feel and the different communities and cliques that we're trying to be a part of. And we elevate that and allow that to dictate our lives and that become our God. And that becomes the things that we begin to worship. And it, help, it informs all of our decisions. It informs everything that we do, how we respond, how we react to anything and everything. When that happens again, we're choosing today and how it makes us feel now as opposed to the eternal. When we choose to worship, you know, fun and partying and leisure and hobbies, and man, I just want to have a good time in life. I want to get through life and just be happy. I just want to chill out. I want to sleep as much as possible and do as little work as possible and get the most bang for my buck and all this stuff. Listen, that can become a God in our life as well, where we worship this pursuit of happiness and this pursuit of, of feel good, you know, take an easy street the whole way, Right? And that can become our God. And when we do that again, we're choosing today and potentially neglecting eternity. And so we really, really need to consistently check ourselves. We consistently need to do an inventory of where we're investing our worship. Where are we investing our worship? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. We would pay attention to where we were investing our money. And we would check on it and we would double check on it. And we would consistently check on it. 
Where are we investing this? How is this? What's the return on this? Where is this taking me in my financial landscape, in my financial future? We'd be super into that. But then when it comes to worship, and what are we giving our attention to? What are we giving our time to? What are we giving our affection to? What is the most important thing in my life that's dictating every other area of my life? We let it just slide. We let it slide. We check on the, our bank accounts more than we check on our worship. Again, choosing the temporal over the eternal. And so we need to consistently be looking at ourselves and saying, is what matters most, does that matter most to me? Because it's imperative that we find an object worthy of our affection. We find an object worthy of our devotion, worthy of our worship. Don't waste your worship. We're all worshipers. We all have the same opportunity to worship. Don't waste your worship. Guard your worship. Guard your worship. Be protective over your worship. Carefully evaluate the potential takers of your worship and be intentional with your attention. I, I, found, I thought of this last night as I was going through this. I thought, you know, it's interesting. In the Bible, when it talks about, I think it's in Galatians, where it talks about the armor of God. Have you guys heard of the armor of God? You know, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, uh, what, belt of truth, right? Is that right? Feet with the preparation of peace, sword of the spirit, shield of faith. Did I nail it, kids pastor? Yeah, all right, nailed it. So... <laughs> But here's what's interesting. We hear about the armor of God, right? And we hear, oh, put on the full armor of God, blah, 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 blah. And then we sing songs like, this is how I fight my battles. And we think, yeah, I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to go attack the enemy and destroy Satan. And I'm going to be a soldier for Jesus. Guys, you know what the Bible says after it says, put on the full armor of God? It says, stand. It doesn't say go on the offensive and be like this destroying ninja warrior for Jesus, you know? The American church gets it so twisted and preaches that all the time. It's like, bro, 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 chill, 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 chill. Read the Bible first, okay? It says stand. It says stand. We need to do the same thing with our worship. We need to stand guard over our worship. We need to be protective of what God has called us do and who God has called us to be and not just let anything and everything steal our attention, steal our affection, steal our time, and steal the spot that God is designed for us to have him in. But at the same time, don't get it twisted, okay? Don't, don't get it all flipped up. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy, this is where the church has gotten it wrong in the past potentially. Uh, I'm not saying that we can't enjoy or appreciate things of beauty and style and culture, right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you can only watch Christian movies, right? Where Kirk Cameron plays every single role in every single movie, right? That's not what I'm advocating for here. Not hating on Kirk Cameron, but I kind of am. I'm not, saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that you can only listen to Christian music, okay? Which is just like secular music, just not as good in every single way, okay? I'm not saying that that's what you, I'm not hating on Christian music. My wife loves Christian music. It's always on in our car, and then I change it. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We listened to Caleb all day yesterday. Torture. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that, I'm just kidding, babe. You know I'm kidding. Um, guys, I'm kidding, okay? I love Christian music, hallelujah. Toby Mac for life, DC Talk, let's go. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that you can only shop at Christian establishments, okay? I'm not saying Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A has to be your bread and butter, and if they don't sell it there, you can't buy it, 
okay? That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can only wear Christian t-shirts, you know? Like, how many times do we need to see the Coca-Cola logo, but really it says Jesus Christ? And we're like, what? Yeah, okay, all right, I get it. Don't get it, but I get it. Okay, whatever. You know, I'm not saying that, because here's the deal. I love movies. I love music. I love sports. I love going to certain places that are not Christian establishments. I love certain actors and actresses. I love certain bands. I love having friends, especially those who don't follow Jesus. I love all of those things, okay? I love all of those things. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. When we elevate these things to the highest place in our heart, we've gone too far. That's where the problem is, okay? That's where the problem is. When we elevate these other things and put them in the place of God and they become the dictating factor and force in our life, that's the problem. We're we're, we're wasting our worship. We're giving it to unworthy things, things that are potentially temporal and not eternal. Does that make sense? And so it's very, very important for us to guard our worship. It says in Psalm chapter 96, verse 4 and 5, it says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. It says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Make sure what you're giving your worship to is worthy of it. God desires to be that number one spot, that object of adoration and praise in your life. Make sure whatever you're investing your worship in is worthy of you making that investment. And so since worship is so important to God and worship is so important to us, here's the deal. Here's where it might get a little weird for some of you. But worship is also super important to the enemy. The Bible calls him the adversary. In Hebrew, it's Satan. We call him Satan. We figure this like dude with you know horns and a tail and a pitchfork. Like, oh, oh. Okay, I don't know, even know where that came from. But for some reason, that's what we're taught and to think of whatever. But listen, every single day, there is a battle for your worship. There is. Every day, there is a battle for your worship. You know what God desires most from you? It's the only thing that you can give him. Your affection, your attention your worship. And as much as God longs for your love and for your worship and your affection and your attention, there is an enemy who works just as hard to steal it. And that's the reality of it. And you're saying, well, Sam, whoa, chill, slow your roll, talk about the devil in church, man, like chill, you know, we're millennials, chill. Um, (laughs) Like easy with all that, don't you read Rob Bell? Um, But, and some of you are saying, listen, like I didn't sign up for this. Right? I didn't sign up for this whole like war thing going on over my worship, and I don't really want to fight in that. I just want to live my life. I want to do my thing. I want to you know, make, make, make some good choices and, and live life good and, and you know, be easy and all that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's not an option. We've already talked about this. You're a worshiper. Worship is happening. Worship is taking place, and there's a battle for where your worship is going to be. There's a battle for what's going to receive your worship, and it's happening all the time around you whether you realize it or not. And that's what I'm talking about. Let's be intentional about that. Let's realize that. Let's recognize that. And then make good choices in response to that. Let's understand that it's happening whether we want it to or not. I mean, it happened to Jesus too, right before he went public with his ministry. 
right? Jesus is 30 years old. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, it outlines this whole like story, this whole scene and everything. Jesus is like 30 years old, and he's preparing for his public ministry. He's preparing for, you know, coming out, and he's going to start doing, you know, the water into wine, and the healing the blind, and the sick, and raising the dead, and doing all these different things. So he goes off, and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, Right, goes off into the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And I love the humanity that they bring to Jesus in this, because at the end of it, I shared last week, they said, he was hungry, right? He was hungry. I love that. But he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights where he's learning to depend on his father. He's learning to depend on God and set his humanity aside to depend on God. And he's clinging to him, essentially, for life itself. And so as the fast is coming to a close, at the end of these 40 days where Jesus has you know, set food aside, right, to, to seek God. At the end of this time, he's physically drained, but he's spiritually sharp. And so the adversary, right, the enemy comes, and he starts tempting Jesus and gives him these three potent temptations. He's like, here's what you can do, man. I know you're hungry. I know all this stuff. Why don't you just do these things, and this misery can end for you. And so he comes, so, so you're hungry, right? Why don't you turn these rocks into bread, and then you can eat and be fulfilled, Right? Why don't you even make it like a bread bowl and put some broccoli cheddar soup in the middle and the kind that they have Panera and you can break off pieces of the bowl and start, it's going to be good, Jesus, you should do it. And Jesus is like, oh, dude, why'd you go there, right? But he's like, listen, you should do this. And he tempts him for some food. He's like, let's make it happen. And then the second temptation, he says, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you jump from the temple and these angels and everything, they'll catch you. They'll carry you, whatever, and so he's tempting his power and all this, but the third temptation that, he com- that, that the enemy comes at Jesus with is that he tries to hijack his worship. It's super important, and if you look for it, you'll find it all throughout Scripture. He tries to hijack his worship. He says, listen, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. I'll back out of the equation completely if you will bow down and worship me. He comes at Jesus and says, give me your worship. Because it's super important. And Jesus responds to him, and he's super clear. And he's like, yo, it's already been written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Like, that's it. End of conversation. Deuces. Beat it, right? He comes back at him and says, worship God only. That's the only thing that that you should be worshiping, that you should give that much attention and affection and time and energy toward. You see, your worship matters to God, because if it didn't, Satan wouldn't care about stealing it from God. Satan wouldn't care and work so hard to steal it from you. And it's not like, again, don't, don't get this like weird old school church picture in your head. You know, it's not this pitchfork guy coming up like, give me your worship, give me your worship, like poking you in your, in your shins, right? That's not, what, that's not what's going down here. Listen, one of our main competitors for worship that I believe the enemy uses is the noise of life. The noise of life just sucks our worship straight from us. It's, it, it, it barricades our worship. It inhibits our worship. It steals it from us. I mean, if, if sometimes life can get so loud and there's so many voices and so many opinions and so many ideas coming at us, especially from the talking heads on TV, you got all this stuff coming at you, that, that stuff can get so loud that we don't hear the voice of God. It gets so loud that we can't hear God speak. We can't hear God's leadership and guidance and direction and comfort. And so the enemy will make life so loud that we can't hear God. 
and our worship becomes something else. We start allowing Fox News or CNN to dictate our lives to us and how we should feel about things and how we should think about things and how we should respond in fear to things rather than hearing the voice of God saying, hey, you're good, I got you. We're like, oh, the world's falling apart. Every new news cycle, something terrible's happening that's gonna destroy the whole world. We're letting all these voices talk and it's hushing out the voice of God in all this. You know? The enemy will use that to, to, to get us, right? I mean, I'm saying, listen, if it can't be so loud, then our lives get so busy. We get so busy that we don't even have time to think about God, much less respond to him and worship him and, and, and consult him on decisions, consult him on what, we, what God thinks, what we think God's plan is for us. It's so busy and it's so crazy. We're bouncing from this, that, and the other. We're just pinballing through life without really much intention or direction. And we find ourselves 40, 50, 60 going, whoa, whoa, what happened? Where? Huh? What? Who? Or two weeks, three weeks down the road without thinking about God, we've been so busy that we're like, man, what's God trying to do in this equation? What's God trying to do in my life and in my heart right now? Where's God trying to take you? That's not even a thought because we don't have time for it. We've gotten so busy that we've hushed it out. Our life gets so crazy that we have no opportunity to rest in his presence because we don't have any rest in our life. We don't have any opportunity to slow down and chill and even ask God for direction because we're already running in a direction saying, hey, God, is this cool? God, you with, are you with me back there? And we're cruising. It's not some devil with a pitchfork coming to steal your worship. It's the loudness of life that comes in and just chokes it out. And so we need to be careful. We need to be aware. We need to be intentional with our affection and our intention and our attention. We need to be aware of this stuff and say, okay, I'm a worshiper. God's designed me this way. I was created to worship God. What am I doing? Am I doing that? Am I worshiping God or am I allowing all this other stuff to dictate my decisions? Am I allowing all this other stuff to dictate my emotions? Am I allowing all this other stuff to dictate who I am and where I'm going or am I seeking God first? And so maybe you're in here this morning and you didn't realize how important your worship is to God. You know, maybe you didn't un recognize that, that, that it was like a, a pretty big deal. It's not just the three or four songs we sing at church. That's not worship, right? Maybe you didn't understand and realize that worship is a response to him. It's ascribing him worth, and it's really, really important to him how you do that. Really, really important to him, and so maybe you need to sort of change your approach. Maybe you need to take it a little more seriously, Maybe you need to give it more attention. Maybe you need to give it more intentionality and say, I'm going to worship on purpose. I'm going to pay attention to where I invest my worship. I'm going to pay attention to how I use my worship. I'm going to pay attention to who I'm letting or what I'm letting be in that number one spot to dictate my thoughts, feelings, emotions, direction, all of those things. Maybe you didn't realize that it was so important to God. Maybe you're in here. And you didn't realize that you could choose where you invest your worship. That you are the one in charge of that. Maybe you thought life just kind of happens to you. And it's like, oh yeah, I go to church on Sundays. I fill my, my Jesus quota. But that's not it. Maybe you need to pay closer attention. Just like you would if it was money. Because the reality is, if it's money, you would pay attention. But we're talking about worship, which is something so much bigger, so much more important, so much more powerful for us in the temporal and the eternal. It's huge. Maybe you didn't realize that there's a war for your worship. 
I hate using like militant terminology in church, but maybe you didn't realize that there was a battle, that there was a struggle, that there was two sides vying for this thing, right? And so maybe you need to take a stand and guard your worship by shutting down some of the noise in life. You know, shutting down some of the commitments in life. Shutting down maybe some of the relationships in life. Maybe shutting down some of these things so that you can guard your worship. Not allowing the enemy to be so loud that you can't hear God. Not allowing the enemy to make you so busy that you don't even recognize that he's not part of the equation anymore. Not allowing all these things to come in and cloud your vision and cloud your perspective. Listen, worship is so important. The stakes are so high. It's so important to God. And so we need to approach this with diligence. We need to approach this with seriousness and with reverence and with intensity and with intentionality. We need to worship on purpose. We need to worship on purpose, not just this thing that happens to us, but this thing that we're intentional about, that we plan for. Because I believe it can radically and drastically change our lives when we do this radically and drastically change who we are, how we respond to things, how we react to things. Most of us are going through life just reacting, not really intentionally responding. There's a big difference. So maybe you're in here and you need to have a conversation with God this morning. Take heart what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, and that whole kind of dialogue between the temptations and all of that says, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. And so we've created a little space here this morning, a little bit of time for you to do business with God. Worship is so important. Maybe you need to have a conversation with God. God, help me to grasp this. Help me to shift my perspective. Help me to align my heart with your heart. Maybe you need to to, to spend a few moments this morning thinking, where do I invest my worship? And maybe getting intentional about, okay, let me make some changes. Let me make some shifts. You need to bust your phone out and Google Keep and sort of make a list. Here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to change. Here's what needs to happen. That's okay too. Maybe you didn't realize that there was a war for this thing, a battle for this thing. And you've just hoped that it would happen without any intentionality. Maybe you need to spend some time and go, okay, let me bust out my calendar. That's got to go. That's got to go. That's got to go. I got to protect this thing it's precious and it's important and the stakes are high and it matters to God so it should matter to us so whatever the conversation looks like for you we want to give you guys a few minutes to do that as the band leads us in another song so let's pray together God thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast we hope this has encouraged you inspired you and you experience life change if you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.